Hi, you're listening to Chris and Shaz in the Mother of All Roles podcast. Two real mums talking about real issues in an attempt to make the ordinary extraordinary. Well, hello to everyone. This is Chris and we're going to jump straight in today. Uh, I want to welcome back my co-host Sharon Halliday, who was in the thick of it on New Year's Eve in Batemans Bay, who had her home saved by her husband and the fireys and uh, has been battling through because of these bushfires, uh, which has now been referred to, as we know, Black Summer. Shaz, I hope you don't mind me using that word battling, uh, but given, I guess, our discussions over the past month, uh, that's that's the feeling that I get. Um, let's just start off by asking, how are you, my friend? Hi, Chris, and to everyone listening. Uh, yep, battling is definitely an accurate description, and certainly not just for me, but for many others who were impacted by the fires this summer. You'll hear it over and over. This is something we all could never have imagined, and we hope we never have to experience again. Uh, but the stark reality is if things don't change, I mean, it just it scares the heck out of me that this could even happen again. I think back, you know, when I was a kid, when my pop was the fire captain of the Maimaru Fire Brigade, and while there were lots of grass fires and hectares lost on properties, I don't ever recall houses being lost and this type of ferocious, intense, uncontrollable fire activity. As I said to you, you know, on that New Year's Eve and the days that followed, it was honestly like being in a war zone or some kind of apocalypse. Um, you know, I'm hearing that around from everybody. That's the, That was their interpretation of it as well. And so to answer your question on how I am, I, I personally am having my good days and my not so good days. I mean, just earlier in the week, Leo had to wake me up um, because I couldn't get out of bed. And that is so unlike me during a school term. <laughs> I'm usually pretty organized. Every person I speak to is feeling the same. Exhausted, flat, drained, sad. And it's the start of a new year when we're used to feeling energized and upbeat and eager for what's to come. You know, there's such a, a different feeling and I'm finding in my own world, there's so many things that don't matter to me anymore. Like um, they just seem too trivial and petty all of a sudden. Um, while most of us are no longer in that survival mode, thank goodness, we are st certainly still, I guess, on edge to a degree. And, you know, anytime those conditions worsen, um, like I wanted, I acknowledged on um, Friday on a Facebook post that there are still people having their version of New Year's Eve now because the mm. fires are still raging and out of control in some areas and you experienced that on the weekend um, up in Canberra. Um, and I, I feel like I've become siren averse. So every time I hear yeah. sirens now, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Like I, I've talked about fight or flight in my book and you and I have talked about overwhelm before. And what I see happening is that certain things will trigger people um, myself included. And for some, it's the hot, hot, windy days that remind us of how that day started. For others, it's the, this feeling of overwhelm and pressure from day-to-day -day life. And it's, it's bringing up fears and insecurities. And I guess that um, horrible feeling, if everything will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look. Yeah. I, I, 
Firstly, I guess, thanks for, thanks for opening up, Shaz. And I know that so many of our listeners are going to really um, be connecting in with what your, with your words, um, I guess. And um, it is, it's that, uh, it's, it's so hard for me to relate. I mean, we have had our elements up here in Canberra, obviously, um, down south. I'm north. So, you know, it's, it's been a very surreal experience, I guess, up here because we have clear blue sky, um, but yet we know down south they don't. And, you know, they've been on the cusp of, of having their New Year's Eve, as you, like you said, you know. Um, and so we kind of, I have felt quite, kind of removed from it. But then through, obviously, I, I remember talking to you the night before you got evacuated and, you know, everything seemed to be okay. And then it was just like the next morning it wasn't. You know, I remember your text coming through saying, we're gone, you know, we're, we're at the beach, we're out. And, um, you know, I, I went through, I guess, my own emotions of, of uh, feeling for you all down there, but not actually being in it. And that's, that's, um, that's something that we've been experiencing up here. So I know so many people have got different feelings from this. And um, I guess, how do you deal with, well, how are you dealing with those feelings? Well, you know, as I'm talking to people, I guess I'm reminding them of the basics of taking care of themselves. You know, um, it, I think it's unrealistic to think after everything we've been through that we'll just switch back into normal. I think a lot of us have desperately tried to do that. And while for many, returning to some form of routine is, is bringing that sense of peace and comfort and normality. I, I think it's also frustrating when it doesn't feel like that's enough. And I'm noticing people questioning, why am I feeling like this? I'm so unmotivated. I'm tired. I'm just flat. And like we all know we've been through a trauma on a massive scale. Yeah. But I'm reminding people to be reasonable with themselves, like to take it easy, to do the bare minimum, focus on the important things. Like um, I just want to hug my kids all day. Yeah. <laughs> they, they must be yeah. sick of me sharing them with kisses like um, – <laughs> You know, you what? You know, one of the best bits of advice I've been given through this whole ordeal has been from my ten-year-old Leo. We were discussing how the schools offering some counselling, and I know a lot of places around here uh, are schools, and uh, there's plenty of counselling out there. So I encourage if people need to talk, that they they do that. And and I was encouraging him that if he he felt like he needed to do that, that he could. And I was sort of saying, like, look, there'll be kids who have lost their homes and they definitely need access to that counselling. But I also wanted him to feel like that was an option for him as well because yeah. he, went, he went through a lot on that day. Um, you know, and he very calmly said to me, Mum, something I've learned is you must focus on yourself first and then you can help others. Wow. And, I mean, apart from asking who are you? <laughs> like this little old soul. I think it was his way of recognising that it was important that he takes care of himself and then he can be there for others. But also it was the perfect message for me because I've been trying to help so many others that have been affected in, in all sorts of ways, you know. Um, and while there was some days when I was doing that, it gave me purpose and it felt right. But then there were other days where I felt really drained and, and maybe I wasn't taking care of myself as much. It sort of goes back to that advice I just mentioned that I'd been giving to others. You know, I'm not a fan of hypocrites, so I have to be mindful of that myself and take my own medicine. 
yeah, yeah. Look, it, it's so true. Um, and it can be hard to do that at times. It can be easy to give it and hard to take it for yourself. Mm. It can be a tough, I guess, pill to swallow. I, I go through that myself as well. And I mean, it really sounds like, you know, your, your gorgeous boy Leo is really, really connected with what's been going on. And mm. um, what a, what a treasure to have him as a, as a friend for, for other students around him as well. I'm sure what a support for them. And it's, yeah. it, it's amazing how kids get through this and the resilience. Yep. Like we can take a lot from our children. And I certainly learn from my kids every day. Um, and, it, and it's great that there is, you know, help out there in the form of counselling. And I think, mm. um, I think that from everything that I hear and, you know, I have been, I guess, considerably tapped in probably too much. I think I've probably um, invested, not saying it's a bad thing, but I guess, you know, I've just wanted to see what's been going on and I'm feeling yeah. so much for people that I've been on social so much and I can see so many people will really need this counselling. I know one of my friends, she's a, she's a counsellor and she's just opened up, you know, kind of her, her availability and, um, you know, in some in some instances for, for, for free I believe um, yeah people just want to give um, yes it's critical like what you say is and then like Leo said look after yourself first before we can look yes. after others um, putting you know and we've talked about this in one of our previous podcasts and it's just come to me now but putting our oxygen mask on first so that we Absolutely. can breathe first before others mm. Yeah, and look, yeah. like you said, uh, there's people doing a lot of stuff for gratis and that's just incredible and, um, you know, those people that are in that position, that, that they feel that they can do that, I think that's all um, for the greater good and that's wonderful and, um, you know, I'm seeing this offer of help as a really critical part of the healing process. Like, we're all at different stages and as, you know, you talked about resilience, we're all at different levels of resilience um, but it's so important to connect with people right now. I mean, I'm even going to a trauma-informed yoga session this Saturday at my local yoga studio, Soul Tribe, and, and I've started to recognise that I'm at that stage where I need to reconnect with people. Um, yeah. As we were getting ready to come back to school, I think I started to isolate myself a little bit and put my head down and get stuff done. But then I noticed I was starting to get teary again at the drop of a hat, just so emotional over everything, just for no, over nothing. Um, you know, so I booked myself in for a Reiki session um, because even though I do that myself, I was sort of struggling to do all those things that I teach and all those things that I know would help me. So I put my hand up for help. And thank you, Angela, who was just amazing in allowing me to talk and then have some beautiful Reiki that instantly made me feel more calm and at peace. And I actually was able to go and do some Reiki on someone this morning because I'm feeling like I'm getting back to myself. Um, mm. But incidentally, my Reiki treatment was on last Friday, the 31st of January. So a month to the day of the fires. And I was having a particularly hard time that day, that morning. So after dropping the kids at school, I ran into a friend like who had lost her home and, and I, like, I didn't know how to speak to her. It took every part of me to not completely lose it in front of her. Yeah. And in the moment, she seemed okay. Like um, she's obviously had her plenty of moments, I'm sure, and there'll be more to come. But 
I was the one that was starting to like feel like I was about to fall apart. And look, I just wanted to give her a pat on the back and let her know that I'd been thinking of her. Um, and, and like a girlfriend of ours, a mutual friend had, had left and she's, um, she left some beautiful dresses for her that I'll get to her when the moment is right. And it's just all those things, um, you know. So as I was uh, walking out the school gates, I had another mate who saw I was a bit teary and just comforted me. Thanks, Ali. Um, but when I got in the car, I just bawled my eyes out. Like then I, I looked at the clock and I noticed the time and I started going back over all the things that I was doing that day at that time a month ago, you know, and it's like I was right back there, you know, yeah. scrambling to get scrambling to get those kids out of the house as I could see as the fire was coming. Like they didn't see the fire, but I got them, got them out. You know, I felt at the right time. Um, yeah, it was, so, you know, I was kind of going back. Well, I know exactly what I was doing at every minute of that day, you know. All emotions. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Shaz, you can tell, and I know it's really hard for you, you can tell it's so raw still. And, you know, I so appreciate that you are able to share this because it, will help others to know that their feelings are validated. And I think that's like part of that connectivity that people will be reaching out for, um, you know, and uh, I see you as such a strong person. And, you know, if you're struggling, I, I just can't imagine what others are going through. And it's important that we acknowledge the mental aspects of this, that you've touched on. And obviously, you know, there'll be different times where people are going through different emotions. You know, you went through yours on that particular morning where your friend may not have, you know, maybe she'd just come out of a, a session of, of complete tears and, and distress and mm. been, been okay. You just don't know. Moment, you know. Yeah. And that's right. You're not, you can't pick these moments. And, and I think that's the big thing we're all grappling with. It's, it's so easy to connect the dots with physical exertion and, and then feeling exhausted but it's not as easy um, to comprehend that the mental and emotional toll can be far greater, you know, and that's why we're asking ourselves, like, why am I feeling this way? It, it's just such a foreign um, place that we're in right now, most of us. Oh, and, you know, uh, it is. And, I, and Shaz, I think, you know, you did an amazing job of, of capturing that sentiment on behalf of people with your writing you know your words are just so uh run so deep are so meaningful and are so powerful uh thanks and, chris you know i you know i mean that and i know you are getting so much feedback from people about how that actually was helping them and i've been i've been reading it and i've been seeing it oh thanks chris i really appreciate that and you know, just while we're on that, I want to say a, a massive thank you and props for reading out uh, what I wrote for our last podcast. I know that was not easy for you. Um, it, it was cathartic for me to get a lot of that out. So, you know, within a few days of um, what had been happening. But like as I've said to others and to editors of newspapers, 
like um, writing my account of what happened was it's like was my way of giving people a voice and an attempt to articulate of what we've all been feeling and experiencing um, the area news where I was a former columnist asked Sharon printed a whole page titled from the Firefront with my headline the sky was a hellish red and you know shout out to Declan the editor there for seeing the value in publishing that like I had a mate from Griffith um, Trish Hi to Trish and she commented that it helped them understand what we'd all been going through because as you've indicated like when you're not in it yeah you're reading about it and seeing it but you, you can't possibly um, get a sense of what's really going on and I think that was important to tell the story I mean they're all a bit different but there's a there's a lot of common themes in that that story oh look absolutely and I think Look, I think that was important too for us, you know, here in Canberra, I guess, personally for me, um, you, you know, you and I talked the other day how people um, not in it can't possibly relate. Um, and even though, you know, we've had the severe smoke and our own fires up here, even, you know, I walked out last week and I wiped the truck off again, ash, you know, and it's become part of the normality for us up here. Yep. Um but it's hard it's hard to imagine you know until you see it firsthand like you know i i did when we took the the kids to the beach um you know the other week um down your way and you know we thought you know we we were in a way desperate to spend some money down there we wanted to get back down there because our summer is down down the coast and uh you know we want to give the kids a break as well because we've been inside in canberra all summer with the smoke yeah. um not a lot of activity up here and uh you know we normally holiday at Tomican, but that got cancelled and um it looked they were lucky the fire jump the fire literally jumped them from my understanding um but just you know the enormity of what we saw and as we started driving down the Clyde and I know other it's you know this is my story obviously and there'll be many other people who will experience the same thing that I did as, as we went down. But um, our heart is down there, down the South coast mm. as Canberrans because we, and I grew up on the South coast in the holidays mm. and driving through, um, driving along past your place and like out of respect, I didn't <laughs> go too far into the suburb because I just, I just couldn't. Um, and there's so many people still grieving and hurting down there. I think, you know, we were, we were trying to be as respectful as we could, but sure. You know, you, you, through Malua, down past North Rose, North Rosedale, just you know, and just smashed me, shattered, you just, know, you know, and then destroyed. Up past Mogo Zoo, and just the fact that the flames lit the zoo was just insane. And you know, it was. We always go to Mogo for an ice cream on the way home, and and I really felt the need to go there and. It it was quite a somber mood, you know. It was busy. It was bustling. It was the normal normal feel um but there was something yeah it was something whether it's unnerving or unsettling there but it, it was just there was this common understanding probably that you know everyone was there because they really wanted to be there genuinely and wanted to put money into the town and and this is the only way that we feel that we can help this time um you know it's just it, it wasn't it was in in the as terrible and as tragic as all of this was, it was actually quite a beautiful moment. I, I actually had to help hold back tears when I was in some of the shops, just going through that process of the giving because mm. it was the beauty out of 
you know, the beef that, that you guys have been through. Um, so it was yeah. just in, in, incredible. Yeah, it's a, I'm so glad that you can see that um, just coming down and um, spending a bit of money and um, it all helps. And, um, yeah, I think you probably, as you said, holidaying, um, needed to see that for yourself. And, look, one this is the thing I've noticed. Like, people will start to tell you their story of their those close, fiery calls, um, you know, those everyone's got that um, version as I stated in the article and then, you know, out of absolute respect, we all finish with this, but there are so many others worse off than me. Now, like it's like people are in some ways diminishing their, their trauma because they're reluctant to go into too much into their own painful experiences. And um, when they know there are so many others who have suffered incredible losses, I mean, lives have been lost, um, that is the biggest tragedy and and just the sheer amount of homes lost. And, and I've had this same thing going on with my mate, Julie, she won't mind me talking about this. Like I feel bad talking about my stuff. She's the one of the, one of those people in my life who, when things aren't going to plan or so well, I pick up the phone and I talk to just like you and I do Chris and, yeah. and my other mate Janelle and, you know, but it's hard to talk to her about, my experiences when she's lost her home and like she actually said to me early on that her loss might be greater but we've all suffered through this traumatic experience i mean what an amazing perspective mm. and it, yeah wow. it's 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 just so intense and um i think each experience affects people in different ways which is probably what you know, she is, she's trying to get out there and, I, and yeah. I, think I think that's okay. And I think it's, it's more than valid. Um, yeah. You know, everyone's experience is, is truly unique to themselves and, and no one, I think it's really important, but to say this, that no one has to justify how they feel and why they are feeling it. Yeah. Um, I know when we spoke about putting this together, you know, it was, it was a heavy, heavy role for you. Um, and I know this has really affected you and, and, you know, you're, you're doing work on that, but it's not something yeah. you can fix. It just can't fix on one particular day and then that's it. And be good again. And be good again. You know, um, I, I was actually listening to, I, I know you, you know, Andrew, but a Andrew Constance, your state member this morning, I've been following him quite a bit and he's, speech in parliament and you know he was talking about and he said this on Q&A as well but he was talking about how this disaster has affected everyone and he went back through his own story of that particular day and, and getting his family out and going back to his house and saving it yeah um you know and his neighbor coming back to no house and you know yes. the guilt that he feels and probably very similar to what you're going through as well yeah and, you know how this disaster has affected everyone irrespective of whether they lost their home or not and I think it's all about it's about all the experiences everyone no experiences of everyone no matter how small or big the effects were for them personally um you know we spoke we spoke the other day Shaz and I said to you that there would be someone two or three houses away from you going through the same emotions you are and I'm sure that this would be the case across the affected areas 
across all our country because you know Australia effectively has been on fire you know yep. going back to September or even earlier yeah I think um, it started in July Andrew mentioned yeah, the other day July yeah. and and I suppose the big thing now is how you all move forward in your own way yeah, it's a great question. You know, we are all desperately trying to move forward. And, you know, look, while I never wanted our podcast to be political, I also never wanted to experience anything like what happened to our communities here on New Year's Eve. So, yeah. look, I've worked for the federal government in previous jobs, as you know. And, in fact, a lot of people won't know this, I'd spoken to ScoMo on the phone many moons ago when he was the state director of the Liberal Party of Australia for New South Wales. And he was overseeing the 2001 federal election, which I was part of as um, media officer for the former member for Ida Monero, Gary Nairn, um, who I still have a wonderful relationship with. But it's important I say this. As, as we've said, people are trying to move forward. And what is adding salt in the wound is the difficulty for some in accessing the disaster recovery payment. And, I mean, we heard a bit of this going on the Q&A the other night, uh, which I found you know, in, yeah. in parts, very frustrating. I couldn't sleep very well that night. But, you know, I sat with my elderly neighbours the other day to help them navigate the process of accessing the disaster recovery fund. Do you know how long it took? Over an hour and a half. And I had to leave them on the phone with the operator or consultant so I could get dinner for my kids. Um, my call took, my call personally to, the same fund took about 20 minutes or so. So that's like a bit of a discrepancy there. You know, when my operator brought up our address, they, you could hear the shock in their voice and, and they said, oh, I can see you have been impacted. The fire was obviously all around you. Like they, they either have the map or the postcodes yeah. or whatever. They could tell. Yeah. You know, and my neighbours, are <laughs> they're the same. Um, I think a couple of basic questions and that should have been enough. And my elderly neighbours, on the other hand, because they were born in other countries, like all of their citizenship papers had to be checked, you know, and at one point they couldn't go any further with this process until they'd taken the paperwork into Centrelink. Oh, my God. Do you want to know when they became citizens? When? 1958. 1958 they became citizens. Jeez. So when, we're not talking a few years ago. Look, oh I, I understand that, have, as I said, having worked in the federal government before it, due diligence has to be done with these processes. Sure. I get it. Sure. Yeah. But, but come on, you know, like my neighbors stayed to fight the fires. They saved their house and other houses, their neighbor's house and possibly others in the street because of that. The point is everyone's been through enough. And if you're going to allocate money to a disaster, don't make it an onerous process. And I know, I know um, Andrew's, touched on all of this, covered all of this, you know, don't fall into these bureaucratic traps. Give people the help you've promised them so they can move forward and start to rebuild their lives. That's what's needed. So, you know, as part of what I wrote um, and what I was saying about these disasters is that unfortunately they're happening more frequently and I would love to see like positive changes and lessons learned out of it. You know, I think mm. sooner rather than later. And, and then it's not, so much in vain, you know, and I, as I hold this uh, better vision for our world, if you like, I just can't help feel like I'm this radical dreamer 
um, kind of, you know, we had this big conversation the other day and I just was so, I guess you could feel on the end of the phone, Mm -hmm. like I was so passionate about wanting to, like we have wanting wanting to fix it. And we, we have an opportunity to be better. There's a lot that needs to change. Governments on all levels have an opportunity to learn from this and rise up and to support their constituents. Absolutely. You know, and as I put on Twitter earlier in the week, you know, thank God we have Andrew Constance as our state member at this time because he speaks the truth and from the heart, which is just exactly what we need right now. You know, it's important for me to express all of this because the reality is people with the political influence are the ones who can make those immediate changes in people's lives. It can ease the burden just a little. um, And even more than that, it can stop adding to the stress of people who are, as I said in that article, are just hurting beyond measure. Look, I I, I totally agree, Shaz. And and I know, you know, we said we're not into the whole making it political, but the the true essence is it, it, it's it is that and and, and yeah. that's that's the reality of it and we have to bring that into what what is being played at hand you know like you, you, your neighbours you know and the ridiculous red tape in that situation um, you know and um, like I was saying to you we I felt this real responsibility on our yeah, shoulders yeah. that we have a platform we have the potential to just make people aware. I mean, we're all so aware down here of what's going on and it's just unnecessary, you know? Well, sometimes, you know, an example, I'm just thinking, it's, sometimes it can be the smallest of, of changes that can make the biggest impact. We, we've had a an amazing guy here in Canberra um, who who's just been running, like, you know, they've got trucks down to you guys. That, that he's actually mm. now getting people to donate cars. Um, so he drives the cars down the, the Clyde, like physically, or, and then we had the hail because he had a towing guy ready to take the cars down. But now since we've had, we had hail obviously in Canberra and so many cars written off that it's going to take a year to fix them or something like that crazy. So now the towing truck is out of action and he's now driving these cars down. And right. he, um, he came across a problem with um, the, the registration or something in New South Wales going from ACT to, to New South Wales. It was going to cost... You know, it's the last thing, obviously. It's a small thing. But it's the last thing that somebody wants then has to face. You know, they've been given a car and then they've got to pay $1,000 to get the transfer or something. So he got in contact with Andrew. And um, and he, and Andrew got contacted whoever, what made yep. it happen, and, and waived it. Like, you know, like that's an example that... Yes, it's out of the norm. Yes, it's against normal policy and normal regulation. Sure. But... You know, there's one example of a small change that yes. made a big impact. It meant took that, like you're talking about, that weight on the shoulders. Yeah. Took that burden off that family, and they went, "Oh my gosh, great! We have a car." And I know one car in particular um, that was given. You know, was supporting a, a family with you know kids that had disabilities, and they needed their right. car. That was their lifeline. Yeah. You know. Yep. You're so right. Like. And yeah, so but look, Shaz, I know, I know we could feel you know a year of podcasts on this topic and there's just probably so many more things that we could talk about but you know unfortunately we have to wrap it up um and i just thank you so much for uh, your strength um your courage um and what you what you've been able to share today uh for our listeners and i know that there'd be you know we're predominantly out there for our mums and be a lot of people out there going through and and whether you're a mum a dad a parent like who whoever 
whoever you are, you know, if you're listening to this, um, we hope that it's that it's helped. Is it, you know, are there any last things that you'd like to add, Shaz? Oh, I, I want to say thanks, Chris. And like, I really appreciate the chance to share my views and feelings. And I echo what you're saying. I know it's heavy, um, but I hope it's useful for people in some way. Maybe it's, my belief is that, you know, we have to talk about it so that we can start to heal. Um, and I just wanted people to relate so that they know that they're not alone and their feelings are valid, as you said earlier. You know, um, as hard as this time has been, we can all acknowledge that there are many positives that have come out of it. You know, one thing is for sure, we've all had enough of the debating when it comes to the reasons why these things happen. And yeah. and we don't want to be having these discussions again in years to come or even next summer. But, you know, I think people are ready to see changes in a number of areas right now. And, and those people who can influence change have a responsibility to lead us. Um, so I, I see that as a positive, that out of something so tragic and devastating and negative, there, will, there has to be lessons learned. There has to be an improvement here. Um, and for me, the resounding positive out of all of this was seeing, you know, individuals and communities helping each other unlike anything we've ever witnessed before. You know, it's that whole mates helping mates, neighbours helping neighbours. Um, my neighbour down the street, hi, shout out to Beck. she talks about how when the fire reached her back fence, there were people running with buckets she had never seen before in coming from all all around from everywhere to help put the fire out and to help save her home and i have no doubt they helped save her home um you know it's straight strangers helping strangers like everyone has put up their hand at some point during this during every fire in this country this summer and has said how can i help i'm here to help i'm here yeah. you know it's it's what aussies do best and it is that to me is the overwhelming positive. It, it's so heartwarming. And yes, it's been emotional for me today. And I didn't, we need to I didn't draw think from it, that though. I didn't think it would be. And um, yeah. I'm a big believer in when things are in the past, they, they stay in the past. They've happened. You heal from them, you move on. But this is bigger than that. And there's a process. And as I said before, everyone's at their different stage of the process. And I think we, all, we just all need to be there for one another still, um, even the strong ones, for even the strong ones. Yeah. Um, and then they can help others. You know, there's that flow-on effect that Leo was talking about. Yeah, um, look, make no mistake, we will be talking about these fires in decades to come in the same way that we memorialise Cyclone Tracy and the Queensland floods and all of the other major disasters we've had. Yeah. And that's for good reason. Like Black Summer is part of the Australian psyche and history now but it does not have to define us mm. and we cannot let it hold us back. And I feel very strongly about that. And, you know, I want to leave our listeners by sharing a special moment I had this morning. It was like my very own Forrest Gump moment. And no, I didn't have a box of chocolates, although there's been times during this that I could have eaten a whole box of chocolates. <laughs> who cares about the diets when you're in the middle of a disaster? <laughs> um, after talking with some people who were sharing their, own stories those fiery close calls and you, you hear you're hearing a lot of them um as i mentioned earlier like um you know so i'm heading out the school gate and i admit once again i was a bit teary 
And then I saw this beautiful white feather get picked up off the ground by a gust of wind and fly directly past me. It was so close I could touch it. It floated and it swirled just like at the end of Forrest Gump and it's like I could hear the music in my head (laughs) playing and I felt instantly comforted. And to be honest, I felt peace. So to me, this was a sign of hope that it will be okay. You know, I know it will take time and none of us will ever be the same again. But I feel like for the first time since all of this happened, I know for sure that in my heart, we will all be okay. Ah, oh, Shaz, I, you know, we, we're quite connected spiritually and it's, uh, I have to add in there that it's funny, just two nights ago, um, my husband was playing that song for bedtime oh, with one of my girls. I fair income. It's yeah. beautiful. And, and, and I had had a quite a stressful day that day and I was like, what's that song? And it's it was, so soothing. And it was that song. And it just, and, and I, I feel that it just put me at that moment of, of ease and calm. And I just had to share that with you just then. And I think one thing that I just really thought was so powerful and what you just said, Shaz, was Black Summer, it does not have to define us. And I think that is something that people can take with them. And if there's anything you can hold on to, hold on to that, you know. Yeah. I think that's a really powerful powerful one thank you so much Shaz um thank you thanks listeners for being with us through this journey um yeah so this has been Chris and Shaz in the mother of all roles podcast two real mums talking about real issues in an attempt to make the ordinary extraordinary we will see you next month where we hope to restart 2020 and give you some great information on how you can get back on track with your goals and your dreams. Don't we all need that? Absolutely. See you soon, guys. Bye.